Okay, it's going now. Sorry about that. So I guess I should introduce myself. Um, my name is Sean. I graduated from AU in May 2015. Um, and when I was an undergraduate, I was involved with the Methodists, which is how I know the wonderful Emma Claire, um, and Student Worker Alliance. And so Emma reached out to me a couple of weeks ago asking if uh, an alumni could come and do the service. Um, and so I said, yeah. Um, so I'll go ahead and dive into it. So I was visiting my mom's house uh, a couple weeks ago uh, out in the western part of Maryland. It's in the Appalachians. They're really gorgeous mountains out there. Um, and I was bored, so I asked my mom for something to read. And she gave me a book called Accompaniment by Stodden Lind, who's a very famous labor historian. And I started reading this book, and I came across a chapter about Oscar Romero, um, who, if you don't already know who he was, he was an Archbishop of El Salvador who was assassinated in 1980 by the El Salvadorian government. Uh, and he was assassinated because he was criticizing the government, and he was calling out the violent repression that they were putting out against uh, a lot of popular poor people's movements in the country. And he was actually assassinated in the middle of giving mass uh, in the capital. And there was an anecdote in the book that I found really touching. Um, and it was saying that whenever Romero had a meeting for the last few years of his life, he would just dump the meeting, right? It could have been with a bishop, it could have been with a government official, it could have been with the papal nuncio. It, it didn't matter who it was. If somebody from the street came in to see him, uh, a worker from the city or a peasant who had traveled in from the countryside, and it was driving his secretaries crazy, understandably, because they had to reschedule all of his meetings. Uh, and so they met with him and they sat down and they said, Archbishop, you know, can we limit this? Can we set aside one or two a day, days a week for you to meet with these people and then, you know, we can actually have your appointments the rest of the week because we're, we're tearing our hair out here, you know, having to reschedule everything. Um, and he refused them. And what he said was, the bishops, these officials, they have cars, they have chauffeurs, they can come see me whenever they want. The people coming in from the countryside, El Campo, they travel days to see me sometimes. And when they get here, all they want to do is have me listen. They just want to talk about their lives, and they just want me to sit there and listen to them tell their stories. How can I refuse someone who has spent that time to see me just to have me listen when I can reschedule this meeting for the next day and it won't affect the, you know, whoever it was at all? And his secretaries didn't really have a good answer for that. Um, and what I found so touching about this story was that it would have been so easy for Romero to turn these people away, the marginalized of El Salvador. But he said, instead he said, you know, I want to know their suffering. I want to hear their stories. These people are important to me and I want to have a relationship with them. These are the people that I want to prioritize in my ministry. So what does this have to do with the passages I just read from Matthew. So Gustavo Gutierrez is one of the most famous academics of liberation theology, uh, which Romero, it was the theology to which he was, he ascribed. Uh, and he takes two important points from the passage in Matthew that we just read. First, that sin and salvation are historical realities that exist in our present day society. 
The experiences listed, hunger, homelessness, incarceration, suffering, are concrete and happen every day to millions of people in this country and even more across the world. Sin becomes social alienation between human beings who were created to live in fellowship with one another and is expressed through material inequality and suffering. The second point that Gutierrez makes about that passage is the identification of God in humanity and the importance of recognizing that. The evangelist could have just said, you know, it's wrong to leave another human being hungry. But the point was emphasized that the reason why it is wrong is because God is in the least of us. When we turn inwards and refuse fellowship with other human beings, we are rejecting the possibility of God in another person. And when we do this, we are rejecting that person's own fulfillment as a human being. Salvation then becomes full communion, not just with God, but amongst all humanity with each other. Recognizing God in each other is how we achieve communion with God. So how do we apply this to our own lives? Um, we commonly talk about service as a chance for us to give back. Uh, I remember when I was an undergraduate here at AU, you know, service was a word I heard pretty much every single day. Uh, and the way we normally talk about it is that we are blessed for our ability to attend American University. We, and within that blessing is a responsibility to donate our time, our money, our resources towards those who are less fortunate than us. And this isn't false, this isn't inaccurate, but when we frame service through this narrative, then we are the only ones with agency. We are acting, and those we serve are receiving. We are subjects providing said service, and uh, those we serve are reduced to a passive objects receiving said service. There's no reciprocity or opportunity for the other party to take ownership or leadership, for them to express their own God-given initiative. Uh, the opportunity for an authentic human connection is diluted. When I was involved with Student Worker Alliance as an undergraduate, it was always important to our group that we weren't putting our own voices in workers' mouths, that we were letting them make their own decisions as to how they wanted to create change, that we were empowering them as allies instead of us as students taking control of the campaign and making those decisions for them. We didn't always succeed, but we were always attempting to be self-critical in this process. So, you know, as we go out and serve in the world, in whatever capacity you choose, even if it's a bit less political than worker solidarity, uh, ask yourselves whether those you're serving are given a voice how are they able to express themselves and their own humanity? And how can we build lasting reciprocal relationships where both parties are empowered to recognize God in themselves and each other? Where do we step back and listen? Thank you.